0: Romans 11, 11 through 16, we are going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to go on and read through verse 24 just to give us a context for what's going on here. Romans 11, let me begin in verse 1. Follow along with me. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scriptures say of says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written... God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the all others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you." And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Now there's a lot going on there. We're only looking at a few verses of this, but let's pray for understanding. Father, help us to understand. Help us to be clear. Help us to apply. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, October the 7th, 2023. It was the worst single-day massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. More than 1,200 people were slaughtered in Israel, including women, children, infants, and the elderly. Approximately 240 hostages were taken. We know this, right? We, we've been watching the news. We're aware of what has happened and we're appalled at it, right? We've seen the protests against Israel around the world. Unfortunately, too many of the voices criticizing Israel's actions to defend itself and rescue its hostages have descended into open anti-Semitism, right? So we've seen this, we know this, we've been following these news events. So my question for you this morning is, how should we think about Israel? Well, we certainly should support Israel's right to defend itself, right? But above and beyond their political situation, we need to lift our gaze up to their spiritual need. It's easy for us to just think on the the political level or just even the practical level, but we need to be thinking spiritually about what is going on here with the Jews and really anybody in our lives. We need to be thinking about what is God doing? What is, how is God working? How can I be a part of, how does God want to use me in their lives? This chapter might seem a little far removed from our situation in our day-to-day lives, but it, it isn't. As we move through Romans nine through eleven, we will see that what concerns Paul the most is the spiritual state of Israel. That's what he's talking about in Romans nine through eleven. Okay, so I need I need uh, three volunteers here, three of for kids. I'm going to get the kids here. Um, So I'm going to call on Michael. Come on up and. Um, who else wants to come up? Don't worry, not gonna be anything, nothing scary. Okay, Russell and Ellie, come on up. <laughs> All right, stand in a line, shoulder to shoulder, and I'm going. Oh no, yeah, don't those fall. All right, so I want you to pretend that Russell here is Romans nine, Michael is Romans ten, and Ellie is Romans eleven. Okay, so we talked about what the the main idea in each of these chapters. And I'm going to review and see if you remember. Okay. So here's Romans 9 right here. So do you remember the word that I said that Romans 9 was about? I said it in one word. Election. Great. Thank you. Election. Okay. Now we have, here's Romans 10. Okay. What what are we talking about? What's one word that, it rhymes with election. <laughs> to describe chapter 10. What? Well, rejection. Great. Thank you. Now I'm uh, this now Romans 11 I'm going to trick you a little bit cuz I changed it. <laughs> so Romans 11 is another word here that rhymes with election and rejection. It is reception. Okay? So we have election, we have rejection, we have reception. They receive Christ, all right? So, you guys can go say down. Good job. You guys are good. You're great chapters of the book of Romans. Good job. All right. You're doing a good job. All right. So, all right. So, good job. Good job remembering those. Um, so, yes. So, we find that Paul is interested in, in talking about how God has chosen some of, of, Isra- of the is- Israelites to be saved, Okay. Then in chapter 10, he's talking about the fact that they've rejected Jesus. Jesus came, they rejected him. And he, um, they sought to save themselves. They were trying to save themselves. They rejected God's salvation through Jesus. And then chapter 11 is talking, well, we talked about last week how God preserved a remnant. Right? And now, this passage, and then through the end of chapter 11, He's talking about Israel's future. And what's exciting about that is it's also future to us. What God still has planned for Israel. Okay, so I want just to see here that we have the reality here is the main idea this morning of this passage. God is pursuing the Jews. God is a pursuing God who pursues people. He's pursuing the Jews Here's the first truth I want us to look at Here is There will be a great revival among the Jews. There will be. Okay. So look with me at, at what this is saying. Let's look at... Um, somebody, go, somebody read for me verse, chapter 11, verse 1 of Romans. I know I read it already. I want to read it one more time. I want to have one of you read it. Can someone read it, please? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Paul asks the question, has God rejected Israel? No, he is not, he says. Well, then you remember last week he points to the fact that right now in Paul's day, there's a remnant that God saved some people out of the Jews. Okay, so there is a remnant of Jewish people. So go back with me to the book of Acts real quick. We're going to look at a couple verses here real fast. Acts 1. Look with me at verse 15. Okay, so we began, right, with 12 disciples. Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and then here he had ascended into heaven. And then we find here he told the the, the believers to wait. Jesus told the believers before he ascended to wait until power is given you from on high. And then we find them waiting for that. And how, how many people has that multiplied to? Well, it's multiplied to 120. In those days, Peter stood up, and among the brothers, among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about 120. So there's there's a group of people mainly Jews. There's your there's your remnant, right? There's the remnant of Jews in those days. And then what happens? Well, Acts 2 happens. Peter preaches. Look with me at verse 41. Can someone read Acts 2:41, please? So, from 120 to 3,000. So now, now we have 3,000 Jews, and they're being added to, and it grows and grows. But of all the Jewish people, here's, here's God's remnant in those days. Okay, That's what Paul's talking about. Um, but you find out what happens, though, is that Christianity began as a Jewish sect. Right? It's called the way. And then it absolutely exploded on the Gentile world. Paul goes and he preaches, and Christianity just spreads like crazy in the Gentile world. And then you end up with, you know, eventually a lot more Gentile believers than Jewish believers. It just explodes. In fact, the Roman Empire becomes a pagan goes from a pagan empire to a Christian empire. That's how, how much of Christianity affected the Gentiles. Okay, so Paul, in verses 1 through 10, is talking about that God did not reject Israel. Here's a remnant. So Paul is talking about what was going on in his day. Now, he's going to be looking at the future. Go back to Romans 11, and he's going to be talking about what will happen. Verse 11 Someone read verse 11 of chapter 11, Romans 11, 11. Right. So, thank you. So, so here, here Paul is asking a similar question that he asked in verse 1. Do they stumble in order that they might fall? Has God rejected Israel? He answers the same way by no means. God has not rejected Israel. He's making that very clear. Well, what happened? Well, through their trespass, then, salvation has come to the Gentiles. We talked about that. God is is doing that to make Israel jealous, both in those days and in our day. He wants Jewish people to see what God is doing among the Gentiles and them to want that. To be jealous of that and want that. So now we get to the future here. Now, if their trespass, verse 12, means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Okay, so now he's talking about the future. He's saying if, if, if now we have blessing to the Gentiles through Israel's rejection, how much more is this going to be a blessing to the Gentiles in the future when there will be a full inclusion? Well, what does he mean by full inclusion? Does anybody have a different wording for that in there in verse 12 I'm just curious their fullness okay anything else anything different than that I'm gonna shout out fullness okay so what Paul is saying is is there's a future time where there will be a, a revival not a remnant but a Bunch of people, bunch of Jews, a, a, a big group. There'll be a, a massive revival among the Jews. Now, I want you to look over with me at verse 25. We're going a little bit, we're going out of our bounds here, but this helps us understand what God's going to be doing in the future. Lest you be unwise in your own sight, verse 25, chapter 11. I do not want you to be unaware of this, brothers a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That is, hasn't happened yet. That's why we pray so hard for people. It's because we know the fullness has not come in yet. If it had, we wouldn't be praying for anybody. It's like when well, nobody else is going to get saved. Well, no. We know God is still going to save people because we're not done yet. The fullness of the Gentiles has come in and then... There will be a big, huge revival among the Jews. That's in our future. And that is exciting to think about. Just think about that there's going to be a huge revival among the Jewish people. Think about that when you're watching the news about Israel and what's going on. Okay, well, early in the 1700s, a man named George Whitfield began to preach in England. And as he went into these various churches, he, he was, um, God was beginning to stir the people and the, the churches were packed. He would walk into these churches and they were just overflowing with people. Sometimes meeting at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And churches were just full. And people were standing outside the windows trying to hear as he preached. God was doing this huge movement. Things got so big that when he was out in the fields, there were 20,000 plus people out in the fields. Straining to hear George Whitfield preach the gospel because God, not because George Whitefield was, was something amazing, although he's a great speaker, but it wasn't that. It was that there was a mighty movement of God's spirit among those people in those days. We call that the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening. The Second Great Awakening happened in middle 1800s. And we really have not had something like that ever since. We are, in our country, we are overdue for revival. We desperately need it. You Look at all the stuff that's going on in politics, abortion, gender ideology, and we do what we can to fight against all that stuff But at the end of the day, what's really needed is a revival. And so we need to pray for revival in our country. We need to pray for revival in Grace Harbor County. We need to pray for revival, well, our state, Grace Harbor County. Pray for it in our region. Pray for it right here in our community. That God's mighty spirit would blow like the wind and would move among people and convict them of their sin. And change hearts. Man, that's what I pray for. One or two people getting saved is not revival. 50, 100, 150, 200 people getting saved at once is revival. And it happens. It happens. It's happened in history. We pray for it again. So be people who pray for revival. Um, Pray for revival among the Jewish people. Pray for it. Remember how powerful your prayers are. Don't ever forget. It doesn't feel like you're doing much when you're sitting when you're sitting at the kitchen table praying or when you're on your knees in your bedroom or wherever you pray or however you pray. You feel like, man, this is not doing anything. It's just, what it doesn't seem like anything's happening when I pray. But don't stop. Keep praying. God does use your prayers. He he, he prayer is powerful in the hands of God. Not because we're powerful, but because we're appealing to a powerful God. To work mightily. You might have to pray for years. Revival has come, come about because there, were, there was a season of prayer. and Maybe it was many, many years of praying before the Great Awakening happened. And the Second Great Awakening happened. And things had to get really, really bad. And then people were convicted of their sin and came to Christ. Okay, So, so we need to be praying. And in that way, we, we are in a way hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, right? 2 Peter 3.12 talks about that. Hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Like, Lord, we want, we're going to pray for Jew, the Jews to be revived so that, we, so that you will come again. Because we're talking about an end time thing here. Okay, so truth number two, here it is. We need to care about Jewish ministry. Okay? Now, now I am rejoice, verse 13, now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch in as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Okay? Well, he's, now he, now we can sit up in our seats. He's, now he's speaking to, you, to us. Gentiles, You. You. And what he wants to tell them, he's going to talk about it more in verses 17 through 24, but what he's saying to them is, don't be arrogant. Don't look down on the Jews because God has blessed you and rejected them right now. Don't, don't be arrogant about that. Instead, he wants us to follow him and follow God, their attitude toward the Jews. He says, I magnify my ministry in order to somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. Well what does all that mean? Well Paul is saying, I'm going to magnify my ministry, I'm gonna I'm going to talk about it with the Jews, so that they will be jealous, so that they will see what's going on to the Gentile world and they will want to come to Christ. And you find Paul in his missionary journeys, every time he goes to a town, he's not just going to the Gentiles, he's going to the synagogue. He still cares about the Jews. and Even after he says, I've washed my hands of the Jews, he says at one point, I'm done with you guys, I'm going to the Gentiles, you still see that he just cannot get away from ministry to the Jews because he really, really, really wants them to be saved. We need to have his own heart for, for people, for, for, for the Jews and for other people. Um, He talks about the blessing, right? Verse 15, if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? He says someday when they come in this fullness of, this full inclusion, this huge revival, we will see that it also blesses us because we will all, everyone will experience the amazing resurrection from the dead. We will be raised from the dead and we will have new life. Now, verse 16 is a bit of a mystery. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. What he's referring to there with the dough is Numbers 15, 18 through 21. You can write that down and look at that later. This is talking about the children of Israel, when they enter the land of Israel, they're going to offer, they're going to have an offering to the Lord of their bread. They're going to give part of their bread to the Lord. And so that means that the whole bread is holy, not just the part that they offer. What he's saying is that he's using this as an illustration of the, found, the founding fathers of Israel. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he says if they they are the first fruits and they were special to me. So the whole lump is special. That means the rest of Israel is special to me. I have my eye on them. They're to give special attention to them. And then he says if the he uses the same a different illustration to say the same thing. If the root is holy so are the branches. So if the the founding fathers, the patriarchs, were special to me, so is so the rest of Israel, the branches. So what he's saying to, you, to, to us is that God cares about Israel. He does. So you should, too. You should care about the Jewish people. I remember when I was um, a little guy wandering around our home church in Grand Junction. We, um, my parents, were, I was wandering around there because my parents were doing choir practice. And uh, my dad, my mom sang. It was a Christmas cantata. My dad directed it. And so I was watching my dad really intently. He was directing. And I was standing watching him, waving his arms and you know looking very intent at what he was doing. And pretty soon, I started copying him. Imitating him, trying to imitate what he was doing. You know, I was really interested in it. And I kind of upset the practice because everybody was laughing. I was trying to imitate my dad, right? Well, we need to imitate our father in his care for the Jewish people. We need to imitate Paul in his care for the Jewish people. Well, what can we do? What are some practical things we can do? Well, there are a lot of Jewish ministries out there. Um, Jews for Jesus is one of them. Chosen People Ministries is another. You can get into, you can research those, and find out what God is doing among the Jewish people. Maybe He would lead you to to serve in other ways. Maybe there's opportunities there. Maybe you can. Um, Maybe you can uh, give to that or certainly you can pray. Once you know what God's doing amongst the Jewish people, you can pray for them. We need to have a heart for what God has a heart for. We need to follow God in that. We need to try to think how God thinks about things. We need to work where God is working. Like we talked about last week. So not just among the Jewish people, but what is God doing among people around you? And how can you be a part of that? And in all honesty, I feel like one area God's working, God's moving and doing stuff is with our friends we've been praying for, Josh and Dolores. And we, uh, we need to Um, keep praying for them and uh, be there for them. There's other areas he is too. Let's just let ourselves be available to however God wants to use us in other people's lives. Whether it be wider ministries that we can give to and pray for or whether it be right here, just next door neighbors. Let's be available to how God wants to use us. Let's think God's thoughts after him. Let's have a heart for things he has a heart for. So in in view of all these things let's pray together. Father I want to thank you for these people I want to thank you for their love for you and I pray that you will help us to to care about what you care about who you care about let's Help us to care about the, the Jewish men, Jewish people and what, you are, what your plan is for them. And to find ways we can be, evol- in, be involved, even though we're not an area that has, tends to have a, a large Jewish population. Um, but yet yeah, we can still serve and think about this in ways we can be involved. Help us to think through that. Also help us to just be available wherever you want, us, want to use us. To whoever you want to, who, however you might want to use us in other people's lives, Lord. Help us to, to just say, here, here I am, Lord. Use me. And help us to be spiritually sensitive so that we can see where you're working and we can just jump right in with you. Bless this, this word to our hearts, to our minds, to our hearts, and it will change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.